Welcome to the party, pal. The Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Oh, baby, live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Hello and good morning. It is The Michael Dukes Show. Thank you for joining us, and we appreciate you coming out on this bright and sunny President's Day. It's not bright, nor is it sunny, but it is President's Day. That is the fact. Um, a fact mean, which means that I wasn't paying close enough attention to my calendar because I actually don't have to work today, but I decided to do the show as anyway. It's just, I could just think I could be sleeping right now and you could be listening to something else. Uh, anyway, welcome to the program. (laughs) Thanks for coming in and being part of it today. Uh, we have got a, uh, jam-packed show, uh, for you this morning. Joining us here in about, uh, 12 uh, minutes or so. We're going to be talking with uh, Dennis Prager, founder of Prager U, host of the Dennis Prager Show, uh, scholar uh, and uh, all around interesting cat. Uh, we're going to have a discussion with him about his big do, uh, his big do 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 dad, his hoedown, his you know he's having a big do uh, coming up on this uh, Saturday <clears throat> over there. Uh, up in Fairbanks at the Wedgwood Resort. Uh, they're going to be doing the luncheon, and they're also going to be doing the uh, the the dinner. So they got a lunch and a dinner. It's a, it's a lot of things um, where you get a chance to listen to him, and then the dinner's actually got a meet and greet and a VIP thing and everything else, and that one's only limited to like 50 uh that's like limited to like 50 people. So it's going to be pretty intimate. A uh, little shindig uh, there over there at the Wedgwood Resort in Fairbanks. If you want to get tickets, you got to go to uh, alaskafamily.org. Uh, they've got they've got all the details there for everything that you need uh, for that. And of course, uh, you'll be uh, you'll be in good company. A bunch of other folks. I'm also giving away. Um, I'm also giving away some uh, some tickets. I'm giving away some tickets to that. Uh, we're gonna be. Uh, let's see who who did I pick? Uh, Debbie. Uh, I haven't sent the email yet. I gotta send the email. Debbie won, uh, and uh, I also picked another one. I'm looking for where is the other one? Anyway. <clears throat> Uh, it's all here. I'll we'll be talking about it. We'll be talking about it more. All this week, we're going to be uh, putting the tickets. Uh, uh, we're going to be putting the tickets out there. So, uh, Vivian and uh, Tawny. Oh, uh, Tawny and uh, Tawny and Debbie. Those are the two folks that won. And it could be you today. I'm going to give away a pair of tickets today to the luncheon in Fairbanks. Now, don't forget, it's in Fairbanks. You have to go to Fairbanks or be near Fairbanks or be around Fairbanks to do it. 
Um, but again, you can go out and get your tickets. Um, um, it's going to be fantastic. Uh, so, uh, that's, man, I got a lot of stuff going on here this morning. That's the, that's the whole rundown, uh, for that. Uh, but Dennis Prager will be joining us. And then in hour two, Nick Baggage, uh, will be on for a further discussion about what's going on in the, what's going on in the world, what's happening with this candidacy and, um, and more. So I'm looking forward to it with you. Let's, uh, let's get things going on here. Uh, what are some of the headlines that are uh, tripping us up? Well, I see even the AP has now picked up the baton for the lack of funding issue, right? Even the AP, Becky Bohr, who writes for the AP for the state of Alaska, has got has got a uh, an article that I was looking at this morning um, as I was doing news for a couple of the stations, and I was looking at this, and I'm just like, wow. Even this is just... Uh, it... So, debate over school funding is dominating the Alaska legislature as district, districts face teacher shortages and, in some cases, multi-million dollar deficits. Schools have cut programs, increased class size, or had teachers and administrators take on extra roles. Teacher turnover is nothing new, and Alaska isn't alone in struggling to fill positions. I mean, at least she admits that, that this is not strictly an Alaska problem. But the effects can be acute in high-cost remote communities. Republican Governor Mike Dunleavy is promoting charter schools and a program that pays teachers bonuses of $5,000 to $15,000 in an attempt to keep them on the job. He questions whether simply boosting school funding will improve outcomes, but districts say inflation has taken a toll on their budgets and they don't have the resources they need. So this is the story, and it's a little bit better than what we're seeing in uh, the ADN um, or in the uh, Alaska Beacon um, as far as some of the commentary there about, you know, the, the hue and cry of we just don't do enough for the kids and everything. But this is the story that makes it to the outside world, this AP story here. Uh, and I just, you know, uh, it – it. Uh, it's frustrating. It's so, I'll be honest with you, <clears throat> it's so frustrating to have kind of a handle on what's going on with this story and then understand how the the news media and others are being manipulated in this case, how they are being told the one thing and they're refusing to dig any deeper and they're refusing to use any, uh, what do I want to call it, analytical thought. Uh, any more, you know, kind of, they don't want to, they just don't want to do the deep dive on it and ask further questions outside of just scratching the surface. And then we get this story, uh, which is popped up now from Annie Berman in the ADN, which tells this very sad story. Anchorage School District plans to cut dedicated elementary art classes and health instructors, and the new plan draws concern. So the first half of the story goes on to talk about how <clears throat> the, the school district is proposing a major change on how art and health instructions are going to be delivered. 
they're basically going to cut all these art classes and the and the health classes. They're going to make teachers reapply for jobs, replace popular uh, the 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 uh, ignite program, which is the gifted and talented program. They're going to change that into something else. Um, and, and the whole story goes on for about half of the story. It basically goes into the details of all the things that would be changed um, for you know in the program, and it's. You know, and the bottom line is, is that they would be fostering and pushing off a lot of these things that are taught by specific teachers off to the generalist teachers. You know, oh, now now you're going to have to teach art on top of all this other kind of stuff. OK, well, you know. And the whole first part of the story is the setup into the second part of the story. Because the subheading in the second half of the story is. Only because we don't have the funding. That's it. This whole thing is a setup to justify the hue and cry and the need for more funding. School board member Andy Holloman said in an interview he hoped the public understands that what is being proposed is the result of the lack of adequate state education funding. It's not our fault. It's the state's fault. I mean, again, neglecting the fact that, as David Boyle has pointed out, that the Anchorage School District does have nearly $100 million in in funds available right now to take care of this stuff in their, you know, in their slush fund there, in their backup, their, their, their savings account, their piggy bank, whatever you want to call it. But see, this is the thing. It's being, it's the result of the lack of adequate state funding, which puts the, 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 uh, the district in a difficult spot. Not that they have done a poor job of administering the money. Not that they have done a poor job of prioritizing it. That they could have done better with what they were given. This is all due to the fact that they didn't get the adequate amount of money from the state. So don't blame me. Blame the state. This is just another ratcheting effect of, 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 you know, of creating new pain points for parents and and uh, and voters and everything else, so that they know that they need to go back against the state. I mean, this is almost guaranteed to work, folks. This is almost guaranteed to work because it's worked every freaking time they've done something like this. Oh, we'll just cut the road. We'll just cut the maintenance to the roads. You know, you don't want to give us money. We'll just stop plowing the roads. We'll just take away the art. We'll take away the music. We'll take away all the good things that are in these kids' life and put them in a hole and just, you know, make them not give them a chance to do anything else. And it's all your fault because you won't give us what we want. That's what it's all about. The article goes on to talk about, of course, about how, oh, the base student allocation, it hasn't been raised since 2017, and it's been so far outpaced by inflation, and and we just can't. Again, no commentary on the money that's in their accounts, how they've spent the federal dollars or done anything else, you know, and how they just continue to want. I mean, the whole payoff for this article was right here. It's only because we don't have the money. We don't have the funding. 
He said he hopes the public understands that what is being proposed is a result of a lack of adequate state funding. It's not our fault. This is not on us. This is on you. This is on the state. Again, 48th and 49th in education education achievement. 48th, 49th, and 50th. That's right where we're at for all the different things. We're right there hanging out at the 49th percentile. But what we really need after spending $2.7 billion on education is a little more money being spent on education. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm just... <laughs> okay. That's I'm just that's where I'm at. That's that's where I'm at right there, baby. All right, we gotta go. Uh, Dennis Prager is gonna be joining us here in just a minute, talking about his uh, weekend getaway to Fairbanks. Of all places, you want to go a weekend getaway to Fairbanks in the middle of February? That I have some I have some questions. I have some questions uh we're gonna continue don't go anywhere the michael duke show common sense liberty-based free thinking radio we return right after this Running on 100% pure beard power. Oh, also some coffee. We dip our beard in coffee. Ha, <laughs> nice beard. The Michael Duke Show. Public enema number one. Oh, wait, sorry. Uh, enemy. Public enemy number one, which uh, makes more sense. On the other hand, he's a little bit of a pain in the uh, Michael Duke show. I resent that. I really resent that. I mean, I paid that guy money to say stuff, and he has to say that. I'm not a pain in the anything. I'm a ble- I'm a saint. Just ask my dad, who's in the chat room with us this morning. He's he thinks I'm great. Um, I, of course, he has to. I think that's a contractual obligation. Let's get down to it. Uh, we've been waiting for this uh, for a little bit. We want to talk about. Uh, What's happening up in Fairbanks this weekend? I mentioned it already. We've got uh, Dennis Prager, uh, who is, of course, the founder of Prager U and the host of the Dennis Prager Show, all around uh, good guy, uh, cigar aficionado, scholar in many areas. And uh, he's going to be up in Fairbanks hosting a, a luncheon and, of course, a very very intimate dinner. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, But we get a chance to talk to him this morning uh, for a little bit and get the rundown from him as to what's going on. Good morning, sir. Thanks for coming on board. Thank you for having me. Looking forward to coming. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. Well, first of all, anybody that decides to take a little jaunt to Fairbanks in the middle of February, I mean, was that just like you've decided you'd like to take just, I mean, of all places, Fairbanks, let's go up and enjoy a little bit of frostbite or or what's going on? Yes, actually. Uh, I have uh, 
I, I have wanted since high school to experience everything possible while I'm on this earth. And I had been to the Arctic in Norway, but that was in the summer. So I saw uh, the midnight sun. And then I decided, uh, how often am I going to experience temperatures minus something and hopefully see the Northern lights. Right. So combining that with the ability to, to, to speak up there to a wonderful group, the Alaska Family Council, I just thought this, this is a great opportunity. Yeah. Well, it is. I mean, you definitely that you've picked the perfect time, um, although it has warmed up slightly right now. I think that uh, you could still experience some subzero temperatures and you're going to have a you're going to have an excellent, uh, excellent time while you're there. Um, Dennis, uh, first of all, <clears throat> let me fanboy for just a minute, because I am a huge fan of um well of Prager U, first of all on youtube uh i've been watching that since the very beginning um i've watched you guys have your struggles i've watched your detractors come in i've seen you being demonetized um uh, but you have got just a tremendous crew of folks who have who have in the past and and in the in the right now uh working with you you guys are putting out just some amazing stuff and so i just want to say first and foremost hats off to you for creating such a um such an amazing uh, opportunity for people to learn. What was the genesis of that for you? What was a, give us a little bit of a walkthrough on that before, uh, uh, you know, uh, where this all came from. It was actually not my idea. It was my dear, dear close friend of many years and producer of my radio show, Alan Estrin. We, there's such a thing as a Prager cruise every year for been doing this for about 30 years where listeners come with me somewhere in the world from Antarctica to the Baltic, I mean, Africa, everywhere. So in the middle of the Indian Ocean one year, he walks over to me, and, and since he never jokes, I don't, I've never heard him tell a joke in all the years I know him. So he comes over and he said, Dennis, I think we need Prager University. We got to get your ideas to more people. So I said, that's a great idea, Alan, and uh, when is the hearts game? <laughs> that was my response. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's great. When's Pinochle playing? I mean, that's when's going. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, and anyways, he said, it, uh, aside from coming up with the idea, he came up with the brilliant idea of five minute videos. That was uh, the amount of information one can give in five minutes is is life-changing, believe it or not. Right. I mean, how long does it take to read the Ten Commandments? Right. Less than five minutes. Right. So anyway, we've put out, I don't know, about I mean, 600, 700 of them. They come out every week on, on every subject except the natural sciences. I mean, we don't, we don't put out anything on chemistry or botany. Right. But everything else in life. And it's been, we, we're up to a billion views a year. It's 65% of those who, who watch our stuff are under the age of 35. This is Google uh, itself that, uh, that has revealed this. And uh, it's, it's probably the largest uh, conservative video site in the world. Yeah. And we, they, they hate us because now various, uh, various governors in various states have said, We'd like people to use your kids' videos. That's a separate division. Uh, we have Prager Kids, and they that 
they want to use those in schools. And that has been attacked by the New York Times, the Washington Post, NPR, CBS, ABC, NBC. I mean, they are. They're of course. Yeah, of course. That, it is, kids yeah. Should, that kids should hear five minutes that is not left wing. Uh, it shows you how insecure they are. Uh, we're not insecure. If if we had a conservative school somewhere, if I ran one, I would want them to see left-wing videos. Right. I not only wouldn't ban it, I'd want them to see it. But uh, they know, that's the reason there are riots sometimes when conservative speakers come to college campuses. Deep down, they know we can undo their entire uh, propaganda machine. Right. They're afraid uh, for a reason. Just, yeah, they're afraid for a reason because they know. That's good. That's a great line. Right. Yes. People could hear the truth. I mean, there's a there's a there's a thin line of truth through everything that I think a lot of conservative common sense people have kind of put out there and people who've been indoctrinated for years in that kind of that liberal mentality. They will hear that thin refrain of truth in the background and they'll be like, wait a second. It'll make them think. And that's what they really don't want to have happen. They don't want people thinking for themselves. That's right. I mean, it's it's when it, when somebody hears you know, please understand, a man cannot become a woman. They've never heard that, right? That's the reason they believe such absurdities. It's, this is not anti anybody. It's just it's either true or not true, right? No, you just cannot. A man cannot get pregnant. Period. That's kind of, I mean, that's, that's, that, that's right. That's, that's simple correct. biology. That's not against you. I'm not trying to poke fun at you or anything else. I'm just saying that is what the science says. A man cannot get pregnant uh, naturally. I guess yeah. you could do, you could, sure, if you want to re-engineer somebody with a whole bunch of stuff, you can make anybody do anything. But naturally, it just doesn't occur. But there's still occur. not a woman. It's but, but it's exactly. still not a woman. Exactly. It's a re-engineered man. Right, exactly. So I just, I don't understand any of that, quite honestly. Uh, when it comes down to it, uh, Dennis, what are you going to be speaking about this weekend? What uh, you know, what's going to be on your heart as you come to Alaska and you look at the northern lights and the and the midnight, uh, the the darkness from winter because we're definitely not getting a lot of daylight yet. What is your uh, you know what what's the what's the what's the plan? Well, my, my my approach to life is to try to explain what is happening. Uh, I uh, the greatest question has always been to me why. So I want to explain, for example, the Middle East and, and why what's what's happening now is so significant and, and how this this is the issue of the day, aside from the other. Well, like, there are many issues of the day, including, of course, how is it possible that college students can say the things that they say and believe the things they believe that that uh, men can become pregnant? that America is systemically racist, that all whites are racist, that Israel is the villain in the Middle East. I mean, it, it is it is beyond a, a compass that is broken. Right. It is a compass that is engineered to tell you that North is South. Right. Well, what's so amazing about those kind of things is that you've got these same students who, on the one hand, going back to our previous topic, believe that a man could be a woman and that it's fine to be transgendered, uh, you know, or have, live as a homosexual or do all this other kind of stuff. And they 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 hold all this stuff up. Yet at the same time, they're supporting somebody like Hamas 
where they would throw those people from the top of buildings. You know, I mean, they would they, you know, and they're but they're the good guys. They could paraglide in and kill Israeli citizens. And that's OK, because the Israelis are the oppressors. But they would also take up from the same group that these people are holding up over here. They would take them out and shoot them uh, because they're because of their beliefs and their transgenderism and everything else. I just how can you hold two completely, you know, a complete difference of opinion, this dichotomy of these two different beliefs? How can you hold that in your in your head at the same time and be like, I support this, but then I support this. But wait, they shoot each other. I don't understand. How do feminist groups not defend women against men coming into their uh, uh, athletics? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're, they're supposed to defend women. That that's their job. Yeah, but it, it, the whole thing is a hoax. Uh, I've I've known this all. Feminist feminism overwhelmingly has just been another left wing movement. It is as interested in protecting women as communists were in protecting workers. Every left-wing group uses the group to get ahead, to gain power, but it's not really committed to the group. It, it's a, it, it, when, you, when one fully understands that, how do you have queers for Palestine? How is that possible? Right. When the, when the, the, the only uh, pride day is in Tel Aviv, in the Middle East. Right. That was exactly what I was saying. I mean, how would you do that? Um, and I I found that amazing. This is the same kind of thing where people were like, oh, we support communism and all these things. But communism also treats, uh, you know, all these different identities and the, and the genders and the sexual orientations. They're treated very poorly. But yet all these people still embrace it as this is the way to be. You're, I mean, why don't you just march yourself into the, you know, into the into the desert at that point, if that's what you want to do? These people would well, not. We are you. we are marching into the desert. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, Dennis Prager is our guest. He is the founder of Prager U, and of course, the host of the Dennis Prager Show. Um, and of course, he's coming up to Fairbanks this weekend at the Wedgwood Resort. He's got a luncheon. He's got a dinner. The luncheon is kind of uh, broad and wide open, but the dinner is going to be very kind of uh, it's going to be very intimate. Only 50 people will be at the dinner and you'll get a chance for meet and greet, shake hands and uh, photo ops and things like that with Dennis. Um, I, you know, the Middle East is, is Dennis has said that's going to be a big part of his topic this weekend. Obviously, many people are worried, Dennis. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of talk, and I think even Drudge the other day said something like, we're all on the verge of World War III and everything else between the Ukraine and what's going on in Israel and Gaza. And, uh, I mean, is there what's the hope for people out there? Before I let you go, what's the hope for people out there as they watch this kind of stuff unfold? What should they be paying attention to? What should they be doing? The answer to uh, having... Peace is strength. When America is perceived as weak, the world crumbles. I asked one of the greatest living historians, Neil Ferguson, at the Hoover Institution at uh, Stanford, formerly at Harvard. I asked him on my radio show a year ago, would Trump have invaded Ukraine if, if oh, excuse me, would Putin have invaded Ukraine if Trump were president? And the, it, there was... It's the smallest measurable period of time between my question and his answer. No. <laughs> and th that, that th the world, I want the world to fear the American president, not like him. 
because right. bad guys operate when there's no fear. And I, I, I'm not sure that Hamas would have done what it did if, if Trump were president. The guy who moved the Israeli embassy to Jerusalem, I, I think they might have feared him. But nobody fears Joe Biden except half of America. I was just going to say, I fear Joe Biden based on the, yeah. what was that? That's right. I mean, this guy mumbling in his in his oatmeal, I mean, I'm just like, what the heck is going on with that? Um, yeah, a strong America is important, and I agree with you that that is, uh, you know, we, we need definitely need to have a strength. I guess the question is, you know, do we need, at the same time, do you think that we need to be, how do I want to put this, uh, somebody call it the world's policeman? I mean, is that, do we need to be putting out fires on foreign shores, or should we be focusing more at home, um, or is that? Well, I, 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 look, we could have asked that question at any time. I sure. always use the Korean War as an example. Sure. America ha- had a lot of issues at home. If I'm, I'm a religious individual, I don't think that if you are the strongest person uh, on the block and there, there's a, a mugger beating up an old lady, that you can say i'm sorry i have i have a lot of my own problems i i don't give right. a damn about that woman right yes i have advocated yes to a certain extent you, if the america is not the world's policeman then who will be the united nations somebody <laughs> will be will it be china right. is it in america's right. interest to be the uh, uh an uninvolved nation on earth now uh, you have to pick and choose. You can't you can't enter every battle. I, I'm not going to uh, invade China because of the Uyghurs, which is a tragic thing that they're doing there, or because of Tibet and right. the horrible thing that they have done there. But th- there's there's a middle road between isolationism and getting involved everywhere. We we, we still have troops in in Japan and Germany. Look at how we, the world, and those countries have thrived. No, I mean you you make a you make a prime uh, you make a, a good a good uh, example there of the bully on the block because you're right. If it's not us, then who would it be? And if it was somebody like China that was stepping up, um, eventually that would lead to a showdown anyway. So we might as well that's step right. out. That's, we might as well step out yeah. first, right? Right, and and there and there is. I as I, I said I'm a religious person because. You, you know, there's a biblical law. You, you cannot stand by the bloodshed of your neighbor. I, mean, I take I take that stuff seriously. Right. No, I would agree with that. Dennis Prager is our guest. Uh, Prager, you, Dennis, are you able to stick with us for a little bit, or you, uh, or you have to go now? I, I didn't ask uh, any yeah, time. Yeah, I, I have to head to my own show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got to go do your own show. Well, that's a, that's understandable right. for for you. You got uh, millions, but, but it's been a joy. I I really I really look forward to to meeting folks in Fairbanks. It'll be fantastic. I look forward to it. And hopefully one of these days you'll get down to Anchorage too, because uh, the folks down here are a little like, ooh, they're a little bummed out. So anytime in the near Thank future. You. Thank you, Dennis. appreciate you coming on board and joining Great. us today. I appreciate that. Dennis Prager, Prager you that leaves us uh, right up to the uh, edge of the break. We gotta go. So we're gonna continue. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Uh, like and share. Yeah, it would have been nice to have more time with him, but he's literally on his way to his own show. 
So can't hold him up. Can't hold him up too much. We got to go. Back with more of the Michael Luke Show. Common Sense, Liberty Base, Free Thinking Radio. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Oh, well, that was unfortunately stressful. What the heck, man? I saw that it had done an update. I did not realize that it had done uh, all the painful things and then changed a bunch of stuff at the same time. So, and then the internet decided to, is decided today that it's just going to poop the bed. <laughs> just, you know, the, your connection is unstable is what it keeps telling me. Try plugging it into a router if you're on Wi-Fi. I'm directly plugged into the router. Are you kidding me? Stupid GCI. Just, ah. All right. I'm just, it's just pissing me off. And now I can't get the little thing to close where it talks about the stupid thing. Stupid thing. I'm going back to bed. I'll just be honest with you. As soon as this show is over, I'm going back to bed because ain't nobody got time for this today. <laughs> I should I should have just I should have just rescheduled it all. That's what I should have done. Cause dang. Uh okay. Um uh, I need to uh I need to throw I need to throw some um I need to throw some tickets out there. Um for Prager or for uh for the Dennis Prager for the dinner. <clears throat> okay. All right. Well, I'm afraid to do anything on the internet while I'm on the show because I mean, at this point, everything is just like, I open an email and the, everything starts to stutter. So we'll just, and StreamYard keeps telling me that it wants to crash. Like it's wait. And I just lost all the, and I just lost all the comments. There we go. Now they're coming back. Yeah. I, I just, <sighs> So, <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know. See, page is unresponsive. Please wait for it to become responsive or exit the page. I'm about to be. I'm about to be. Your mic is open, Mike. Yeah, I know it's open. I'm grumbling. I'm not just grumbling. I'm just, today is, <laughs> it's pissing me off, man. I was really looking forward to that. Okay. Here's what's going to happen. I'm about to hit exit page and reload. I got two minutes and 30 seconds before we rejoin. 
Uh, so I'm going to exit this page and be right back. Pro tip, it said as I loaded in. Plugging into the Internet is much better than Wi-Fi. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for pointing that out to me. I don't know. I just. I am grumpy. Hi, I'm grumpy. How are you? Um, all right. We're about uh, <clears throat> 90 seconds out, ready to go. Would you guys, you, what have you guys been saying? I can't even. Oh, there we go. There we could scroll backwards. Um, the far left is a petulant child who can't behave. Dang, I wish you had more time with Dennis Prager. I mean, I'll see if I can get him back on here in the near future. I got contact info for him now. <clears throat> well, I mean, I have his, I've got his phone number. Um, oh my gosh. Um, go back to dial up. Uh, good morning. Chose sleep because I'm off today, says Cindy. Yeah, so am I. I'm off today. Why did I not just choose sleep and put in a best? Why didn't I? I don't know. It was a mistake. That's what I'm saying right now. It was a mistake. The internet hates us all today. The internet hates us all. All right, here we go. Getting ready to do it. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. No idea what I'm going to talk about, but we'll figure something out. Here we go. You ready? Ready. Four, three, two. Okay, uh, welcome back to the program. Wow, everybody's been a train wreck this morning. I mean, of all the days to have technical issues and everything else, I was, uh, I mean, I'm a little bummed because I was struggling. We got uh, Dennis Prager on, but the whole time before we came live on the air, we were having some technical issues and some feedback and problems and anyway. This is what happens when you run the whole show by yourself without an engineer. Sometimes you get caught up in trying to do engineering things on the air while you're going. And it really, um, it brings the experience down. Let's just put it that way. It's bringing me down, man. Bringing me down. Um, anyway, we've got uh, one final segment here. Uh, I just looked over and actually Nick Baggage is already in the chat room. Boy, he's a glutton for punishment. He wants in early this morning. To bring in that he's going to bring in wants to take on the pain. Uh, Nick Baggage is going to be joining us here. Uh, I'm going to bring him on early because he's already in there. Let's let, let's give him a minute to have some coffee. Maybe he just wanted to kind of get ready. I hate to just dish it out to him. You know, first things first. Uh, he shows up ten minutes early. <clears throat> that means I go to him ten minutes early. You know, instead of just hanging out. 
Um, there is one other story though that I did want to uh, uh, that I did want to hit on here um, that I found interesting uh, because. This this whole thing with and I don't know if anybody's been paying attention to this, but the the Anchorage Assembly has decided to get involved in um, this issue with the Aklutna Dam, the the Aklutna hydroelectric project. Now, the federal government sold the the Aklutna Dam to the uh, utilities to three South Central utilities, Chugach, Matsu Electric, and the Anchorage Hydro Power Utility. Uh, they sold it to them back in 1991, and at the time, they set out an agreement that said uh, that they were required to mitigate impacts of the earthen dam that the that you know they dried up about 12 miles of the Aklutna River. They dried up a big chunk of it um, since it was built by the federal government in 1955, and so the utilities moved forward and uh, decided, okay, here's what we're going to do to fix this. Well, the resolution, the assembly came out with a resolution opposing that earlier this month. They said, "Oh no, no, you you can't do that." But the, the three, what I what I love about this is that it was a resolution, and the assembly members they're citing concerns over impacts to the city's drinking water, and the impacts to the cost of the ratepayers and the property taxpayers, like they've ever cared about property taxpayers. Uh, and then, but on Monday. The three municipal, the three utilities came back with an eight-page letter and basically said, "We see no path to pause the process um, required under the 1991 agreement without liability. Accordingly, we will not delay the implementation of the Fish and Wildlife Program for two years in order to perform additional analysis, consultations, or considerations." That's what the city wanted. They want to. They wanted to do that whole thing. Um, and the vice chair, Meg Zalatel, said in a written statement, it's unfortunate that the utilities won't do the reasonable thing and take a pause. Yeah, but the problem is, this is what I love about politicians. It's unfortunate that they won't do the reasonable thing. No, they're doing the legal thing. They're doing the legal thing because the agreement has no provision for them to pause at all. But no, no, we're just... Uh. Uh, anyway, uh, it's just I love how they're going to come out here and they're basically like, oh, we want you to remove the hydroelectric dam. That's the next phase. The village of Aklutna and the assembly leaders and other organizations have proposed the total removal of the dam over the next 10 years. But only after replacing sources of renewable energy are created. Good luck with that. Good luck finding something that will produce as much energy for the right amount of cost that you would get from a hydroelectric dam. It just doesn't. <clears throat> this it's a Monday, man. It's a Monday. I just get so agitated by that stuff. All right. Um, okay. We are ready to go here. Uh, we, we're, 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 we've got things happening and there's a big day today at the Alaska house, the omnibus education bill. And the, with the of course that's uh, SB 140 is going to be up for vote and HJR seven, the constitutionalizing of the PFD also up in front of the uh, committees so we're ready to go um so get your get your get your get your uh uh your speaking cap on and go out there and and make some noise and do what you need to do all right <clears throat> we got about two minutes here i'm going to do a quick we're going to do a quick hit with nick baggage because he's right there we're going to get a we're going to get a little tease for what is he 
what's he ready to talk about this morning and see what's going on. Hello, my friend. How are you? Good morning. How you doing? You know, no complaints. No complaints. Uh, I mean, no complaints. I mean, I've been complaining for ten minutes, but no complaints other than that. You can file your complaint with the uh, complaint department. Yes, exactly. On a double page form, <laughs> carbon copy, CC. <laughs> Uh, Nick, we're, uh, we're coming up on the top of the hour break here. We're going to, oh, you're jumping. I'm getting a bad echo from you. Uh, we're going to jump in and talk about it, but what, uh, what's on your mind for today? What are, what are the big hot things that have got Nick baggage going on this morning? Well, I'll tell you, we, uh, we've been traveling a lot. We, we just got back from, from Ketchikan and, uh, I actually got in around midnight, uh, from, from Ketchikan. We were up in Fairbanks just prior to that. So, We've been all over the state. We've been meeting people, um, talking about local issues and what's happening uh, in the various regions of our state. And I'll be talking about that. We'll be talking about some national politics and uh, some developments on our campaign. And maybe we'll talk a little bit about uh, cryptocurrency if you want to jump into that topic this morning. Oh, man, you've got to we're going to go into the deep end of the pool. Oh, the deep end of the pool. <laughs> Uh, this is where we nerd out about something that uh, that's interesting, um, uh, specifically the fact that the federal government is now trying to get into the crypto game. And I don't uh, I have questions. I have questions uh, yeah. about that. Uh, all right. Well, Nick Baggage, uh, thanks uh, for uh, giving us this quick hit here. We're going to continue with him here. I'll pull him back into the green room. We're going to jump in with him here in just a second. If you'd like, you can sound off and share with us over here uh, in the chat room. If you missed it, we just finished up here a few minutes ago with Dennis Prager from Prager U and the Dennis Prager Show. He uh, was on the uh, uh, was on the show here just a little bit ago, and we've got uh, that'll be up and available via podcast. I suggest you listen to it on the podcast today because apparently the internet, I don't know. The, the Facebook and YouTube apparently knew that I was having Dennis Prager on and they threw my they threw a, a, a hitch in my get along there. So we didn't uh, it wasn't very smooth. Let's just put it that way. It wasn't very smooth. All right. We got to go. Uh, the Michael Duke show. Common sense. Liberty based. Free thinking radio. Nick Baggage going to be with us an hour or two. We will continue and be back in just a moment. Don't miss anything. Join us on Facebook if you'd like. Facebook.com slash Michael Duke Show slash live. Uh, we'll be back right after this. Nick's the only reason I'm here. I would have called this thing off on Friday at this point. Uh, well, Nick and Dennis are the only two reasons I'm here. When I realized that I had accidentally forgotten that I was off today because of President's Day, I was like, well, I could have just sleep in. But, oh, no, I got I already got stuff commitment. I should have just stayed in bed today. Should have just. Is the Internet any better now? I mean, I've shut about I, I don't know. How do you buy the fastest internet available commercially, whatever, two gigabits per second, and I can't keep a constant upload of... 
I have questions. Um, thanks for taking one for the team, Michael. Says the woman who slept in this morning because she didn't have to work. Right? Is that what you said earlier? I, that you're 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 welcome. You're welcome for taking one for the team. Oh, nothing better than sleeping in on a day that you know you can. You know, nothing worse than sleeping in on a day that you shouldn't have. Right? It's it's the whole thing. Oh man. Um. Yes, the internet's better. Okay. Um, while I'm waiting for you guys here, uh, Debbie Seeger, you have won. Um, who else has won? Vivian, uh, you have won. And Tawny Booth, you have won. You guys all got tickets to Prager. Okay? So there you go. Uh, I'll be sending you emails shortly. You can all go watch Dennis Prager in Fairbanks. I mean, I thought about it. I, I, I literally thought about... I literally thought about uh, driving up to Fairbanks, but then I came to my senses, because, you know, Fairbanks. I have to go there enough as it is. Um, I love Fairbanks, don't get me wrong, but I love the people, but man, that... the. the the, just the whole weather, the geography, the whole, just all of it. I go up there for three or four days, and then I'm like, well, I remember why I left. Uh, you know, it's like one of those things. I, I go up and see my parents. I see all my friends. I enjoy that part. And then I'm like, oh, I remember why I left here. Oh. Uh, okay. <sighs> Randy is going on and on and on and on about enshrining the PFD because Randy has... He has a conceptual misunderstanding of what the PFD is. Just let him go. Just don't, you know. It, he just he just doesn't get it, guys. He just doesn't get it. It's fine. It's just just fine. Fine, fine. Just fine. Um. All right. Where are we at? We're three minutes out. I got Nick in the chat room. I don't. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna in the uh, in the green room. Just. <laughs> you guys are bad. You guys, stop. Just stop. I didn't drink any coffee this morning because I thought I might be going back to bed. And maybe that was a mistake. Maybe I should have had some coffee this morning. Because I was like, I was going to go take a nap as soon as this is over. <sighs> but there you go. Um, Kevin has given us some education here on how the bills work and what's going on with SB 140. There is no testimony on SB 140 today because it's on the floor. But after the House, SB will have to go back to the uh, Senate floor for concurrence. They are likely not to concur, and then it'll go to conference committee. So that's a that's a thing. But HJR 7, I think, is up for public testimony today, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I believe that is up for public testimony today, which would be a good thing. Contrary to what Randy's saying, it would be a great thing because it would, again, it would constitutionalize the mandate that they must pay a PFD according to the statute instead of allowing them to continue to ignore the law. I mean, what's the whole point? Why have laws if we're just going to ignore them? 
Well, it's because we're the legislature. We're the legislative branch. One rule for me, another for thee. We've seen that. <clears throat> We've seen that. What was the John Fun book where he talks about every member of Congress who goes in as making 50000 bucks a year and comes out a multimillionaire? How does that work? One rule for thee and another for me. That's what. That's how that works right there. Uh, oh, you think HCR7 is on the floor too? Oh, I thought it was up for testimony, didn't it? All right. Well, somebody will straighten me out. Yeah, it's a Monday, and I don't care. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. They're just both up. No public testimony on HCR7 today, says Ben. It's just up for a vote. So, good luck. Good luck, partner. Let's hope that it comes through. Let's hope that it comes through. You know, other than rather than have the leftover process where all we get is what's left over, let's have an actual formula of what's happening here. Okay. So, um, well, that's 60 seconds gone right now. We're ready to go. We're going to jump into it. Nick's ready. I'm ready. You're ready. Let's let's do this thing. Um, like and share, subscribe, ring the bell, do all that stuff. There's a reason both are on the floor at the same time, says Ben. That's a hint. Sorry, I just saw that. There's a there's a hint there as to why they're they're both on the floor at the same. So you got HJR seven and SB one forty. Um, that's gonna be well. That's gonna be interesting. That's going to be very interesting. All right, here we go. We're going to jump back into it. Right back after this. Don't go anywhere. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com. And across the state of Alaska on Dish, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Good morning and welcome back to the program. Hour two of the big radio show for this Monday edition, President's Day, um, where we celebrate dead presidents. That's, uh, I, that's just how it works around here. Uh, we're ready uh, to go here. We're jumping into it. We finished up Dennis Prager. From Prager U and the Dennis Prager Show was on the program last hour. He'll also be in Fairbanks this weekend on Saturday. He's going to be uh, coming up to the Wedgwood Resort for a luncheon lecture at 1130 
on Saturday. Tickets for that are just 75 bucks. And then later Saturday night, there's going to be a private reception and dinner at the Antique Auto Museum. That's going to be a cozy little soiree, though. Only 50 people. They only have 50 tickets on that total. So you may want to go get your tickets real quick. They're available over at akfamily.org from the Alaska Family Council. So again, dinner tickets and more. I am going to be giving away another set of tickets at the end of the show today. Um, I haven't decided how I'm going to do it yet, but I will decide before the end of the show today how I'm going to do it. Um, and so you can uh, you can do that. You have to be able to follow instructions. That's that the one challenge to that whole thing. Uh, speaking of people who follow instructions, uh, Nick Beckett uh, was capable of coming on here all by himself without without help. I mean, I think I I had enough problems this morning for everybody, and uh, here we go. Uh, Nick Beggish joins us this morning. Uh, he uh, comes on board to talk about his campaign and run for uh, the uh, U.S. Congress and more. Hello, my friend. What uh, what what's happening this morning? How are you doing? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I did not need an engineer this morning. You were did, able to figure this out. You did so. not need an engineer. I did. I needed an engineer this morning. Nobody tells. You know what? You should always set your equipment to not auto update. That's. Let me just say that right off the bat. You should always <laughs> make sure that you turn off automatic updates, so it doesn't do it at the most inopportune time. That's uh, that's kind of how we're we're going on this morning. Um, all right, Nick. Well, let's get started. Uh, you know, with today, uh, Nick's going to be joining us every couple weeks from now until election day. Why? Well, because I want Nick to win. Uh, we'll give others opportunities if Nancy Dahlstrom wants to come on the program and talk. Um, I have questions about election integrity and some other things that I'd like to talk to her about. So that'd be a perfect opportunity if she wants to come on board. Um, and if Mary Peltola wants to come on board, come on down. Come on down. Let's have we have questions. Um, I doubt it's going to happen, though. That's fine. Uh, anyway, Nick Beggage joins us. Uh, Nick, uh, so what? Uh, where do we want to start today? You got some things you want to talk about. Let's uh, well, let's get things yeah, going. Yeah, we've been traveling a lot. We've been traveling the state. Uh, you know, for for those who are involved in uh, in politics at the local level, you, you may be aware that the Republican Party tends to have uh, around this time of year a number of Lincoln Day dinners, and so you'll get Lincoln Day uh, dinners and various parts of the state. And uh, we were fortunate to go up to, uh, to Fairbanks to the Lincoln Day dinner up there. And it was great, we had great turnout. Um, one of the interesting things uh, that happened has been reported in some of the press, actually President Trump dialed in to the Lincoln Day dinner and addressed the crowd there. It was actually 11.30 p.m. East Coast time. And he dialed in live, which was pretty incredible by itself, but also, uh, incredible in the sense that this was the same day that he had been fined by a New York judge over $300 million. And he was upbeat. He was positive. He was uh, encouraging the people of Alaska. And uh, so that was really it was really surprising. I don't, I don't know how this guy does it. He must be made of hardened steel to put up with the things that he goes through on a, on a daily basis, but, uh, but he was positive and, and encouraging to the folks there. Um, so right after that, hustled out to the airport, got to bed around midnight, woke up at 4.30 the next morning to catch a plane to go down to Ketchikan, where I was a speaker down at their Ketchikan uh, Lincoln Day dinner. And we had a great time, great turnout. Um, 
folks very excited and very focused on the race coming up later this year. I, you know, and, and getting around to all these different areas around the state, uh, you have, you've put some mileage on yourself, buddy. You got some, uh, I understand you got some frequent flyer miles being racked up right now. Oh, I do. I, I think, uh, <laughs> it's, it's a little crazy. Um, there's a lot of miles that have been put on, you know, we win in, in November is gonna be a lot more miles. I'll tell you that. Uh, one time, this is what was told to me. I wasn't able to verify, but uh, Don Young reportedly had two million, more than two million Alaska airline miles and another million on Delta, actual flight miles over the lifetime. That's uh, that's a lot. That's a lot of that's miles, lot. baby. That's a lot of miles for sure. Absolutely. And that's what happens when you would be the congressman for all Alaska. You got to be across the state in every way and 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 every place out there. Um, so what's your next where are you going next? Are you you've got more things happening? What's uh, what's your itinerary look like if folks want to come see you? We do. We're going to be on the Kenai. I know we're, we've got an event that that has just uh, that's just being put together right now down in Homer uh on i believe march 1st and so that's i know it's hard to believe but that's right around the corner uh we've been doing coffees and meet and greets around the state you know we want people to come out and and have a conversation there are issues that you're concerned about if you've got questions about policy if you want to just discuss you know something you, you say hey you know what do you think about this what do you think about that here's what i believe we need to be doing just check out our Facebook page. We've got a very active Facebook page. It shows where we're going to be. And, uh, you know, I want to hear from folks. I want to hear directly from folks about what they think the opportunities for the state are and, uh, you know, how we get there. Let's talk for a minute about, um, I mean, I guess I would say it's the elephant in the room, but it's the, you know, the rank choice voting issue. Because that was really, I mean, that's why we're having this conversation right now, right, is because of the ranked choice voting um, uh, with uh, the jungle primary attached to the front of it and everything else. What's going to happen in your mind as you look at this? And and I know that, that you know, it's, you've been quoted as saying if you don't get the majority of the votes in the jungle that you won't be a spoiler, you'll pull back out, you know, do that kind of thing. So what's give me give me give me your rundown and thoughts here on the jungle primary and ranked choice voting as it as it is going to affect this upcoming election yeah i think it's a it's a great question it's something we're going to continue to talk about during the campaign and you're right i want to be clear you know whoever finishes ahead of the other it's my view they should stay in the race and the others get out we got to learn from what happened last time and i and i tell folks this yes i understand that a lot of the folks on the left say that they really love ranked choice voting but if they really loved ranked choice voting, they'd run three or four candidates on their side of the aisle in this race. They're only running one. So let's be clear, the folks that are participating in ranked choice voting are on the right side of the aisle here. The left is not doing this, right? right. Why? Because it allows their candidate to run a message that sounds very moderate. They don't have to talk to their progressive base they talk to moderates, right? And so you'll continue to see this moderately sounding message coming out of the Peltola campaign. And on the Republican side of the aisle, on the right side of the aisle, right now, we're having a conversation with conservatives, which we should have, but we're gonna have to have an opportunity to speak to you know, the center 
of the state as well, or we're going to see a Democrat in this office again. And so that's one of the challenges with ranked choice voting. And under this structure, we really don't, we have a jungle primary, but we really delay that primary decision all the way into the final election day, unless we on the right decide that we're going to have our own primary and enforce that ourselves. So that's my commitment. And I hope that makes sense to folks as to why ranked choice voting is fundamentally flawed in that it can be gamed by one side of the aisle or another. Right. Well, and it has that dilute, it has that the dilution effect on the side that has multiple candidates. You end up with, uh, uh, you know, running from the same philosophical bent, you end up with this dilution effect of everybody's shotgunning it and voting it for everybody. And yet the one candidate that is on the, in this case, the progressive side gets the votes and, and, uh, even moderates or you know Murkowski moderates can can vote for the the Democrat without uh, without pause because they know that the rest of it's going to get all you know confused between three other candidates. That's what we had this last time. Um, it gets gummed up, and and of course you've got you've got this effect as well, which doesn't make it any easier for us. You've got ballot exhaustion. Where you got folks that come in, they say, hey, you can't make me vote for more than one or, you know, there's a reason why I'm only going to vote for one. And that's your right under ranked choice voting. But when that happens, if your candidate doesn't advance to the next round, well, your vote stops counting, which I think is a, is a clear problem with ranked choice voting. But it's a, it's let me tell you something. It's by the designers, a feature, not a bug. Right. Absolutely. They no, they know yeah. that they know that it disenfranchises a certain component and they're OK with that. The more complicated the rules, says Senator Rob Myers, the more chance the insiders have to game the system. And uh, that's well said. That, that's an exact uh, that's an exact truth, by the way. Uh, I guess I should have started the show with a big congratulations because you did pick up a nice endorsement uh, earlier uh, or, or late last week, mid last week. Uh, a big one. Uh, I played it live on the air. Uh, you got the big nod from uh, Vivek Ramaswamy. That was huge. That was huge. And I'll tell you, I, I have a tremendous amount of respect uh, for Vivek. He is extraordinarily articulate. I don't know that we've seen someone with his with his ability to articulate the America first message. He really uh, he surprised folks because for, for most of America, he came out of nowhere and uh, was able to advance a very um, defensible intellectual argument for why we need to change fundamental policy in this country. And, you know, that's what we're going to need. We're going to need, I believe, a new crop of leadership across the board uh, in in this next Congress in order to ensure that we're putting the people of America first, that we're addressing some of the more complex uh, issues that are on the forefront. You know, things like AI. What are we going to do about that? Right. For folks that were paying attention this week. Right. Um, and if you haven't seen it, I, you know, go out to Twitter, go out to, to some of these other platforms. You'll see uh, now they now have text to video AI. That means that you can you can tell AI what you'd like to see and it will create video, not just images. Now, now we're talking about video that that looks really, really compelling. And in, in some cases, you cannot tell the difference between the video that's generated and reality. So we're moving headlong into a 
you know, a sort of 1984 potential when it comes to AI. And we need people that understand it, aren't afraid to talk about it, and uh, can can work through the implications to to the rest of our society as, as this technology rolls out. So there's a lot of those sorts of things. There's cryptocurrency and Bitcoin and a number of other technologies that are uh, important and interesting, but have real world impacts on the rest of us if right. we don't have the right people in Congress that understand this stuff. Well, and that, we always play the one, but it's like this, you know, it's the Ted Stevens. It's a series of tubes, you know, we just the, the whole thing where they don't understand I mean, these politicians don't understand much about anything. They make laws about guns that they have no idea. They think a barrel shroud is the shoulder thing that goes up. I mean, but they're making laws and restrictive things on this. Do you think that they even understand things like cryptocurrency? Do they even understand peer-to-peer? -peer? Do they understand AI? Do they understand any of this stuff? I, I think there are a few who do, but I think most don't. And part of the problem is, you know, we can get back to this idea of term limits. You know, we need to be refreshing the knowledge base inside the Congress on a regular basis. And there's a role for experience and there's a role for for fresh perspective as well. Yeah. And so, you know, when when we incentivize people to be there for 30, 40, 50 years, uh, yes, you gain wisdom. I'm not going to say that that's not true, but you miss out on a lot of the new fresh perspective and the and, and uh and, and some of that's going to be really important because the rate of technology, technological change is accelerating, right? right. You, think it, you think it's been crazy over the last 20 years. We may have more change in the next 10 years as we've had in the last 50 combined. Right. No, absolutely. It's accelerating. Yeah. It's accelerating rapidly. And I think it's just going to get bigger. Uh, Nick Begich is our guest. We're coming up on it right now. In fact, we got to go. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. You can like and share, subscribe, ring the bell on YouTube if you want to come out and join us there on Facebook, on Twitch. You can listen right on your radio where you're at right now. We're everywhere. We're everywhere. Uh, we'll be back with more here in just a moment. Uh, Nick Begich will continue with us. Uh, back with more right after these messages. We're broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on, on, the, on the Internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. It's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. That's just that's how it is. Just kind of. Well, I had my idea. What was that, Nick? It's a, it, it's, it is a little hard to explain. Yeah, a series so, of tubes. Yeah, it's a series, yeah, a series, yeah. series of tubes. Um, right. it, but that's, you know, and we joke about that, but that's, uh, uh, I, but the, the bottom line is, is that that's the problem, is that we've got people who are making laws about things that they fundamentally don't understand. Um, that is, and, and that's a, that's a hundred percent true. Yeah. It's a, yeah. And, and, and part of the problem is that, that, that because they don't understand, they're able to be guided by lifetime bureaucrats regarding policy. Right. And these, these bureaucrats have their own set of incentives and motivations. Um, and they tend toward control. They tend to, uh, they, they tend to deprioritize the individual and the individual's freedoms. 
and centralize control, increase surveillance, um, and reduce personal liberty as a result of those policies. And so that's part of the reason why it's so important to ensure that the people that we elect understand the underlying technology and its implications, because otherwise they're gonna be led by the nose, by the bureaucratic state in ways that actually diminish uh, our way of life and our freedoms in this country. Right. I mean, that's the big change is, you know, every time we talk about term limits and things like that, the problem is, is that we don't have bureaucracy limits. Uh, because if that, you start, yes. you that's start right. changing out, you start changing out the, the, the legislators at a rapid pace, they don't have enough time, you know, they, they then become uh, subject to the whim of the bureaucrat who's been there for 20 years and knows how to play the system and, and has an agenda of their own kind of thing. So, yeah, I think that there should be some kind of reshuffling of some of this stuff. If you reshuffle one, you probably should reshuffle the other uh, as you go through. So that would be great. Yeah. Um, I'm just going back here. Uh, Joel asks, what is your plan to defeat Nancy Dahlstrom um, uh, at the at the I guess at the polls in the primary and in the general, I guess, with the ranked choice voting? Yeah, you know, I think I'm going to take a little bit of an issue with the way the question is framed. My goal is not to beat Nancy Dahlstrom. My goal is to beat Mary Peltola, right? So let's be clear about who the, what the objective is. Uh, we, I, I believe that Mary Peltola, while she's a very nice person, uh, she represents the state of Alaska in a very negative way. Uh, she votes with Nancy Pelosi 90% of the time. Yep. That's an actual statistic, 90% of the time. And look, I don't believe that Alaskans intended to elect 90% of Nancy Pelosi to be our representative. Nancy but Pelosi light is what we call. That's the that's Nancy, a trademark. Nancy light. Nancy light. Yeah, we, it's a pretty, you know. We didn't intend to do that. I don't think I don't believe that. I don't believe that Alaskans want a 90% Nancy Pelosi to represent us in Congress. And so that's my focus. I, I'm not I'm not focused on other candidates in this race right now. I'm focused on Mary Peltola, making sure people understand her policies and the differences between her policies and mine and uh, how we would vote differently in, in the Congress and represent our state differently. In Congress. And, you know, one of the one of the things that um, that we talked a lot about in Ketchikan is not just the policies, but also the way in which that single representative in the House represents Alaska. Remember, there's 435 representatives in the United States House, but Alaska only has one voice in that House. And you can't be a backbencher and get anything done for this state in that right. body. You're going to have to be tough. You're going to have to throw elbows. You're going to have to be loud and belligerent and do things that irritate people. But let me tell you, those are things that we loved about Don Young. Right. Whenever you thought about Don Young, he understood what he needed to do in that body in order to try to get things done for our state. You can't be a, a go along to get along person. You got to be tough. And I don't think we have that right now. I want to be that person for the state. I definitely do not have that in this right now. I, I don't think that's a it's very much a go along to get along. You don't see anybody making any waves right now. Uh, all right. Nick Baggage, our guest. Uh, we're going to continue here. The Michael Luke Show. Common Sense, Liberty Base, Free Thinking Radio. Like, share, subscribe, ring the bell, do all the things. Let's go. Here we go. Jumping back in. Oh, I hate it when I do that. I missed it by three seconds. Here we go. One, two, three. 
The Michael Duke Show. Not your daddy. Wait, sorry. Not your daddy? Ooh, not your daddy's talk radio. Huh. Whew. I was scared for a second. Thought we were going down. Here's Michael Dukes and the show. Nope, not your daddy. I got enough kids. I don't need any more. I'm not your daddy. Although my daddy's in the chat room hanging out with us, saying his thing. Hi, Dad. How you doing? I always say that. Nick Begich is our guest uh, candidate for U.S. House, and uh, we continue now. During the break, somebody asked um, somebody asked uh, Nick about how he plans on defeating uh, his opponent, uh, Nancy Dahlstrom, and I thought you had a very good answer to that. This really wasn't about defeating Nancy. Your focus is all on uh, Mary. Mary Peltola. So tell us about that. That's right. You know, there, we, Nancy Dahlstrom is another candidate in this race. There could be many others uh, that ultimately get into the race. The filing deadline is actually not until June 1st. So, uh, you know, but my focus from day one has been on getting Mary Peltola out of that seat. Okay. Why? Because look, she's voting with Nancy Pelosi 90% of the time. She's endorsed Joe Biden. Are these things that Alaskans want? I don't. I don't believe so. I know. I know that Alaska does not support Joe Biden. They will not vote for him for president. I know that Alaskans didn't intend to put someone in Congress who's a ninety percent Pelosi. And I hear a lot about the legacy of Don Young. Sometimes I hear about this from Pelotola's campaign, as you as you probably do too. Right. And you see these these claims. And let me tell you, Don Young did not vote with Nancy Pelosi 90% of the time. Don Young would never and did not, in 2016, by the way, support Joe Biden for president. And Joe Biden was someone who came in the same year as Don Young in 1973. So, I, you know, I think that we've had an opportunity to learn about Mary Peltola, her priorities. We've seen how she votes in the Congress. Time to make a change. So my focus is not on other Republicans or other candidates. My focus is on Mary Peltola, making sure that we move her gracefully out of the seat and we restore Alaska's conservative representation in D.C. One of the things that I think is really important to understand is that there are 435 representatives in the United States House, but Alaska only has one representative in that body. Imagine being in a room of 435 people and you're just one person. How are you going to get their attention? How are you going to become their priority? Are you going to do it by being nice, sitting back and going along and getting along? No, you're not. I promise you, you won't. You're going to have to throw some elbows. You're going to have to get tough. You're going to have to do some things that ruffle feathers. That's part of the process. And I will tell you that whether you like Don Young, you didn't like Don Young, he did those things. He was tough. He, he knew how to he knew how to engage the public and how to move legislation. That's what we need. We don't need someone who maybe has a nice smile, but is just going to vote yes all the time. Is going to go along with Nancy Pelosi every time. No, that's not going to get it done for our state. You could say a lot of things about Don Young, but quiet and uh, demure, he was not. You know, <laughs> I mean, you know, he would get in there. Um, we went, we talked a little bit about the ranked choice voting on the other side, uh, you know, on the first in the first segment. Um, and people are asking questions about, well, like, why did somebody so and so jump in the race? Don't they know that it's I mean, this is 
again, it's it's working as intended. It's meant to, to be divisive. I mean, this whole thing with ranked choice is good for a certain slice of the population, but for the rest of them, people just if they don't understand how they how they how it works, they end up really kind of shooting themselves on the foot in it, right? It's it, it is true. Uh, you know, the system it was it's promoted and it's been promoted as, as a way to moderate politics. Right. Make it more moderate, more middle ground. Yeah. Right? But it really doesn't. In fact, it has the exact opposite uh, effect on politics. And the reason that it has, and we talked about this in the last segment, the reason that it has the exact opposite effect is because in, in our ranked choice voting system in Alaska, you're actually delaying what was previously a primary all the way until election day. All the way until election day, if you have more than one person on your side of the aisle, you're going to be continuing to go back and forth on the finer points of policy. But you you can end up ignoring the person who has a huge level of contrast in terms of policy, which is the person on your left. Right. And what I what I said in the last segment, I'll say it again. If the if the Democrats really loved ranked choice voting, they'd run three or four candidates on their side of the aisle. They don't and they won't. They're only running one. And they're only going to run one until right. election day because they understand that if they end up having to get into a fight over progressive values, they're going to lose this election because people will understand and it will be revealed. Oh, my goodness. We got some people from the far left that are trying to run for this seat. So they won't do it. Yeah. I mean, part of the problem is if you've got an organization or a group that is very much kumbaya, communal, kind of will all, you know, it takes a village kind of thing. Uh, on the one side, they're more than willing to have just one candidate step up there. The Democrats have always been very good about that. The Republicans, on the other hand, rugged individualists, don't play well with others. You know, I want to do my own thing, get off my lawn, you know, kind of thing. And the next thing you know, we got seven of them all running against each other, trying to kill and beat the crap out of each other. While one Democrat's just sitting back there smoking a cigar, waiting for every the smoke to clear, kind of thing. You know, that's this, exactly this has been happening for years, and ranked choice voting has just exacerbated it. That's right. That's right. It, it is. And uh, you know, I, I, as far as I know, and this is what has been told to me by uh, the organizers of the initiative, I'm the only candidate in this race right now who has signed uh, the petition to put this back on the ballot in front of the people. Yeah, I think we need to return to the traditional system of voting. And uh, and I've signed that that petition and I'm looking forward to the opportunity to voting to repeal that. Yeah. Uh, initiative. So, yeah, no, that would be uh, that would be super nice uh, and a lot less confusing for most people as well. Um, let's talk a little bit about what's going on in the nation right now. I know we want to talk a little bit at the end of at the final segment. We want to talk a little bit about uh uh, some crypto and some other things that are going on. But let's uh, first talk about some international issues. We've got aid for Ukraine. We've got aid for um, uh, aid for Ukraine, aid for Israel. Um, and, of course, the question on the border and all this other stuff that was going on. Um, where should we be at on this, uh, Nick? I mean, the, the, the problem is we're giving more... <laughs> to Ukraine. Not that I'm, again, I'm, I'm very sympathetic to Ukraine's plight, but I'm wondering why this is all our responsibility. We're giving more to Ukraine than the entire border. I mean, we're, we're spending more than the entire Marine Corps budget, the Marine Corps budget for a year. 
Yeah. You know, look, and, and I said this publicly on social media last week. I've taken a little bit of heat for it. That's OK. You know, but I want people to understand what what exactly people are being asked to do. It's not just that we're spending 60 billion dollars being asked to spend 60 billion dollars. It's that we're being asked to borrow 60 billion dollars with interest. And give that money to Ukraine and to other nations. And my my view is, look, I'm okay with helping it. We can debate the merits of, of helping other nations and the timing and all those things. I'm okay with having that debate, of course. But if those nations are not willing to take a loan from us, why should we be willing to take a loan for them? Right. And so when you've got $34 trillion in debt, a $2 trillion annual budget deficit, that's the amount that we're adding to the debt every year. And on top of that, we're being asked to take loans so that we can give money away. This is not smart. It's just not wise on our behalf. We need to be reversing course on this extraordinary uh, moment of spending in our nation's history and get back to something that's a lot more balanced than what we have right now. And, and I think that these are the conversations we need to be having, not just as it relates to aid to other nations, but also as it relates to domestic spending priorities here, right? I mean, you look at what's happening on the border. It's something that I know that you've talked a lot about, but folks understand that the people that are coming across illegally are then being given free housing, in some cases, free health care, free shelter. They're, they're given EBT cards, cell phones. Visa cards. Visa 50, cards. This $53 million pilot program in New Jersey and New York to give uh, to give migrants to give migrants credit cards to use to feed their family while they've got 100,000 homeless on their own. But now they're going to give who are residents and citizens. But now they're going to give fifty three million dollars in credit cards to illegals. To I mean, I that's right. You can't. Yeah, make and this, this is where up. this is where the America First message. You know, it's it's very controversial if you talk right. to mainstream media or yeah. if you're watching mainstream media. But there should be nothing controversial about putting the people of your own country before the people of other countries. I promise you, they're not putting us first. Right. They're not prioritizing the needs of America. You, if you think that America ever was invaded and that some of these people that we're supporting today would suddenly drop everything they're doing, run up their budget deficits and come help us, <laughs> that ain't going to happen. We've got to make sure that we remain strong, that we remain free, that our focus, that our priority remains with the people that, uh, that we're there to represent, the American people. And that's not a controversial idea. It's a fundamental idea that we need to get back to in this country, in my opinion. Well, and again, when do we stop? And I asked this question earlier of Dennis Prager. I said, when do we stop? You know, why do we have to be the world's policemen? Now, he made a valid point that, you know, part of it is if you, you know, you, you're one of the biggest powers on the block and you see some other power beating up on some old lady, you know, do you just say, well, I've got my own issues and I don't step in and do the right thing? No, I agree. I agree. We've got to, we've got to fight some of those fights. 
But like you said, I mean, why should I borrow money to give it away if they're not willing to borrow the money themselves from us and, you know, use it for themselves? They, people have gotten too used to that. It's the whole comment on the NATO thing. I don't agree with the way Trump talked about the whole NATO thing. But at the same time, he was making a valid point. If you're only spending 2% of your GDP and, you know, we're spending, you know, we're spent, we're, we're contributing hundreds of billions of dollars and you contributed just a billion or two, um, you know, somebody needs to step up there. Look, well, and here's, here's the thing. You think you're helping these people. Right. By allowing them not to spend to the 2% minimum in NATO. You think, oh, well, you know, they can't afford it. Are you kidding me? They can afford it. All right. They're reprioritizing their spending. They have uh, socialized medicine in these countries. They have extraordinarily generous uh, pension plans in these countries. I mean, you, if you go to France, you're going to see massive demonstrations if you try to touch uh, their retirement age. Right? They'll they'll burn they'll burn cities down if they have to work an extra six months. Okay. So we're, we're being told, oh, Social Security is going to be out of money and only be able to pay 70% of its scheduled benefits with by 2030 or 2032. This is the Con Congressional Budget Office telling us this and the Social Security Administration telling us this. And yet we're continuing to spend, right, because these folks aren't living up to their obligations under those treaties. And so, you know, we encourage actual weakness among our allies when we do their job for them. Ukraine is not our neighbor, right? Ukraine has borders with other European nations that are not kicking in nearly at the level that we are. NATO members, right. I mean, this is like, yeah, exactly. People who are, it's right on your doorstep. Yeah, and I'm not, and look, I want to be clear. I'm not saying we don't help. I'm saying that we get smart. Look, look, this is fascinating. A lot of Alaskans do not know what I'm about to tell you, okay? When Alaska was purchased in 1867, you, we bought it from the Russians. Why did the Russians sell Alaska to the United States? In large part because their treasury was depleted from fighting wars. Do you know where that war was fought? Crimea in modern day Ukraine. This It's amazing how history rhymes, right? And if you're smart and you're you're playing geopolitics in the right ways, you can actually get something for the aid. In fact, we live in a place that was purchased because we were smarter then about how we use the public treasury. And we bought Alaska. Yeah. Let's be smarter. That's all I'm saying. We got to be smarter about how we're engaging the rest of the world with U.S. tax dollars. Nick Baggage is our guest. Uh, the Michael Duke Show continues. we got more coming up. We're going to have to do one final segment here in just a moment. Uh, we'll talk about some other national stuff and the rise of this uh, push for a federal cryptocurrency, which problematic to say the least. Um, we're going to have those discussions in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. Nick Baggage, our guest, The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Running on 100% pure beard power. Oh, also some coffee. We dip our beard in coffee. <laughs> nice beard. The Michael Duke Show.
Uh, Brian says, can we uh, sell Hawaii to raise some quick cash? I mean, <laughs> I feel we might be able to, you know, I don't know. I mean, what do you think, Mick? I mean, we, we could just sell it off. Uh, you know, little Guam, little Hawaii action, maybe sell Puerto Rico. I mean, all these hangers on, we just got to get rid of them. Oh, my gosh. You know, it's, it's, um, it isn't it, you know, we're not going to do that, but I will tell you this. You look at a, co- a country like Argentina. Uh, here's a country that has wallowed in debt for an, an enormous amount of, 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 for quite a long time. Okay. Um, part of the reason that they've been unable to pay their debt is because it's denominated in U.S. dollars, much of it. And so they can't print their way out of it, unlike the United States, right? Where we right, can just right. turn on the presses and pay the debt. They can't do that. And so it's been mentioned, and I, you know, it's, it's a reasonable thought. They could carve out part of their country sell it to a group, turn it into another nation, do do those sorts of things in order to pay off their debt. Now, not not a good long, very long-term strategy, but it helps people out of a jam. Problem is if you don't replace it with fundamental uh, discipline on the fiscal side, you're going to end up right back in the same scenario. Right. Uh, this is this is why in Argentina, you know, after many, many years of socialist leadership who continue to say, well, we're just not socialist enough, you see a hard libertarian replace them. Because yeah. people have just had enough and they're saying, look, we're going to try something different. We're right. going to reduce the footprint of government radically. We are going to put the private sector back to work. We are going to reduce tax burdens. We're going to open up free trade. And we're going to try something that is completely opposite from what we've been doing. I think he's going to be very successful down there. Yeah, it was Malay. He uh, he eliminated something like 14 um de- departments in the government like the cult- cultural department of i mean he just like gutted the whole thing and then basically said we're cutting the retirement we're cutting this we're cutting that the one thing he did do was that he doubled up on the basically the food programs and the things so that people would be paid while this thing was changing around but yeah he went in there and just gutted the whole thing out well he was walking around with a chainsaw during his campaign right <laughs> Because that's what he said. I'm going to cut it out with a chainsaw. And boy, did he ever go to town. It's been that's been an interesting he thing did. to watch. Location in the world where people who have had serious domestic challenges have elected uh, what would have been considered radicals to office because they said there's nothing else that's working. You can't get there by small incremental change. For these nations, they've recognized we got to have a much different approach. Another example of that is uh, is happening down in El Salvador, right? In El Salvador, you've got uh, the world's youngest leader that was just reelected. He, they had a huge crime problem. I mean, it was, un, you, you think we've got a, a crime problem in parts of this country. It was unbelievable down there. And he went out and he said, we're gonna be tough on crime. We're gonna round up all these people. We're going to put them in jail and and human rights organizations around the world are, are completely upset about this. But crime dropped dramatically in El Salvador and it is now an attracting business. It's a, it's attracting El Salvadorians who are part of a diaspora around the world and particularly in in the United States back to their home country because things are safe again. You can do business again. Things are growing again. It's one of the fastest growing economies in the in the world as a result. And, uh, you know, sometimes a significant change is what's called for. And we're getting closer to a point in this nation where 
that kind of radical change will be the only way out of the situation that we're in right now. I think we've still got some time to elect the right leaders who can articulate not just the America First message, but smart policies on some of the technologies that are rolling out and, and keep us in a leadership position and right the fiscal ship for our country, restore individual rights. Uh, we can do that, but we're, the window is closing. Yeah, this is a critical election. Well, that was actually going to be my first question going back because I was doing some reading. Uh, J.D. Duchilli over at Reason Magazine recently was talking about that 20 year window. There was a, you know, for a long time they talked about the 20 year window, but that essentially it's closed down now to 10 years. Uh, that we have a 10 year window now to fix it because once you reach a certain go, no go point, the momentum of it is you can't get back from it. And yeah, and, that's and I, right. And I think that's a huge deal. And I, we should talk about that as we come back before we get into the crypto issue, because I think it, it it's something that we it, there's hope we can still fix it, but it's no longer two decades. Now we've got 10 years or less to fix it before that momentum and that mathematical formula uh, just goes to you can't you've go, you've gone too far. Yeah, that is absolutely true. It's math. Yeah, there will be math. Yeah, there will be math. There will be a test. Yes. And here it is. Here's what it is. All right. Nick Baggage is our guest. we got one final segment coming up. We're ready to get back into it. Uh, the Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like, share, subscribe, ring the bell, do all the, you know, things and stuff and things. Stuff and things, Lori. Um, sorry, that's a Walking Dead reference for those of you who don't know. We're going to do it. Here we go. Jumping back in. Uh, the Michael Duke Show. Now's the time. Okay, Nick Beggage is our guest. Um, we are about ready to jump into this with him. Um, I was just referencing a story uh, with Nick. Uh, J.D. Tuchilli over at Reason wrote about this the other day. Uh, it's been a month or two now, I guess, the other day. It's all relative when you get old like me. Um, but uh, basically, that there used to be the window where they said we had a 20-year window to kind of stop the runaway spending, to to stop the deficits, to turn the things around and everything else. But now, as we look at it, um, that window is now closing. Uh, it's no longer we have a 20-year deadline to get it done because it reaches a certain point to where the spending and the debt have a certain momentum. And once they reach that critical mass, you can never get ahead of it. It's like a big snowball rolling downhill. Once it gets a critical, you can't get ahead of it and it just runs away and it destroys everything because you can't spend enough to spend it down. And uh, they're now saying that that 20-year window is now shrunk to 10. Uh, Nick... Uh, you and I are in agreement on this. You've seen the same thing. Uh, I mean, what what are we going to do? How are we going to fix this? Look, there's there's a few ways to do it, but we are absolutely running out of time. There's a reason they call it a fiscal cliff because once you go over it, it's you're not going back. Right. 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 So uh, we are running out of time, and we're running headlong toward that cliff without even attempting to really slow down. Okay, what does that mean? So I mentioned in an earlier segment, we have $34 trillion in debt rising by the second, okay? 
uh, but we're spending $2 trillion more as a federal government than we're taking in, okay? So that federal de that deficit gets added to the debt every year. So you go from 34 to 36 to 38 to 40, right? The problem is that it accelerates, right? So as interest rates are rising and you're in a high rate environment and that debt rolls over, you're paying more and more of your tax dollars to just not just not just service the debt, but just pay for the interest portion of the debt. And eventually that interest payment becomes so large that virtually all of your tax dollars just go to pay interest. And that's right. the moment where the whole system falls over on itself. And to just put it in perspective, today, today, 40% of personal income taxes, 40%, if you're a taxpayer, 40% of the money that you are paying the federal government today simply goes to interest. Yeah. Just interest. Just to service the debt that we have right now. Forget about That's putting right. new stuff on. It's paying the old debt right now. It's just the interest payment on the debt, which, by the way, is greater than the defense. We spent $900 billion in debt service last year. They're already predicting $1.2 trillion in debt service this year. That's your 30. That's a 30. It's outrageous. It's, it's unsustainable. To put it to put it in 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 some in some uh, some Alaska terms, right? These are multiple PFD payments per person that are being spent on your behalf permanently, run up on oh, the yeah. credit card. Oh yeah. So I mean, it's, so yeah. how do we turn it? I mean, we know it's going on, right? I mean, we can we can all look at the number. We can all go to the U.S. debt calculator website or whatever, or watch the numbers turn over, and just you know, we can all we know it's there, Nick. But these politicians yeah, look right in the camera and they go, "Oh, don't worry, it'll all be fine." Yeah, it'll be it'll be fine for that person until their next election, right? And you know, it's interesting. You've seen a lot of senior leadership in Congress retiring now. We've we've had multiple uh, yeah. announced retirements by committee chairs who, and let me tell you, when you're when you're a committee chair, you've worked hard to get there, very hard to get there. And these are people who have not finished their their limited terms of being a committee chair. They're saying, right, oh, "All right, right, yeah, right. get out." But I, it's, right? we're going to step down. Yeah. So there are things that we can do. So let me get specific about things that we can do to address this problem. And if there's no silver bullet. Let me be clear. There's not one thing that we can do that's gonna fix everything, okay? It's a multi-pronged approach. One, we've gotta look, got make sure that, that, that we get lower interest rates, okay? We, we can't be paying a trillion dollars plus on the national debt every year. We need to get back down to a low rate environment and we need to make sure we're putting policymakers in place that will do that, okay? That's, otherwise, this whole, this whole exercise is nev never gonna pay off. We're never gonna be able to get, it, to, get, to get to the finish line if we don't get some lower rates on the debt that we have, okay, number one. Number two, we got to stop spending uh, so much in, in, in deficit spending. I want to be clear about something because you hear it from the left. You probably hear it from uh, campaigns in the next few months. People say, well, the problem is we're not taxing enough. We need to make those corporations pay more taxes. Let me tell you something. The corporations are not in business to lose money. So anytime you raise corporate income taxes, it eventually becomes a consumer tax on through inflation. Okay. So all, all taxes are born at the individual level eventually. And so it turns out, though, even if you did dramatically increase taxes on the wealthy, even if you did a wealth tax where, you know, they're even the left is talking about taking people's money, not even as income, just 
just harvesting cash that has already been earned and taxes have already been paid on it. There isn't enough there to, to pay down the national debt or even to, to make this financial equation box where we're not deficit spending. So you have to cut the amount of spending that is going on. There are many areas of government that have expanded far beyond their original constitutional mandate. The Department of Education is often cited. <laughs> right. I agree. Right. We've got to cut that back because look, you know, the, the federal government uses this money as a mechanism to control the states. So not only are we spending more money than we have, but we're, we're using it as a way to, to diminish state power, right? So the federal government has to get back to its original uh, mandate. There's other things that we can do too, though. If, for those who have worked in government at any point in your life, you understand the budgeting process encourages you to spend money at the end of the year in order to get money next year. So if you're, let's say, a million dollars under your, your department's budget, if you don't spend that money by the end of the fiscal year, you're not going to be able to get that money next year. And so you end up with situations where people are just buying things because, well, we're going to we need the money next year. We might need it. So we better just start spending. Right. So we've incentivized at every level in the federal government for people to spend money that they don't need to spend. If you were on the if you've run a business or have been a part of a business or an employee, you recognize that that's not how the real world works. You don't just go around spending money because you need you, it's the end of the year. You're spending money because it makes business sense, because there's a purpose for this, right? And so we've got to disincentivize the waste. And the way that the federal government has been set up at the bureaucratic level is incentivizes waste. So there are a lot of things that we can do. I'm sure others will have many ideas. You know, I don't have all the ideas, but th these are some fundamental things that can be done to reduce that deficit and start getting this thing under control. Uh, you know, uh, this is and this should be the this should be what every politician is talking about right now, because this this is the kind of the crisis level thing that we've got going on. I mean, this is this is important stuff. Um, and yet, like I said, every politician just looks straight into the camera and says, don't worry, it'll be fine. And, and I just don't know, understand why people aren't more up in arms about this. Nick, you got about 90 seconds here. We'll give you the we'll give you the final thoughts for today. Well, look, you're absolutely right. These are the issues that you should be hearing from every person in public office or seeking public office. If they don't understand these issues, they're not going to be able to fix the problems in D.C. or here at home. This is critical. We are headed toward disaster, but we have a chance to fix it. The window is closing, but we've got to make sure that we have the leadership in the Congress that isn't just that doesn't just intellectually understand the issues, but has the strength to be able to say we need to make a change. Here are some concrete policies that we can put into place that will help us make that change, because otherwise it's just a foregone conclusion. It's just math, as we talked about. Math right. wins in the end. Well, math wins. I promise yeah. you, you can't beat math. Yeah, you cannot so, cheat it. That is a hundred percent sure. You cannot cheat math. That will not be a good thing for them. Uh, all right. Well. Uh, I appreciate you coming on board, Nick. As always, it's good to talk with you. Nick Baggage, our guest. Uh, we will continue um, a couple weeks from now. We'll have you back on. Thanks for coming on board and joining us. I appreciate that. Folks, we're out of time. The Michael Duke Show. All right, Nick. Uh, I will give you the final thoughts here. Last last two minutes here for whatever you got going on. I give you the. We, gotta, we, we didn't gotta even come back and talk about crypto. Yeah, we, we, we didn't really we, get into that. It's I know. Amazing how fast the time goes. It's but, crazy. Um,
Yeah, you, you touched you touched on uh, they're called central bank digital currencies or CBDCs. Right. Okay. CBDCs. Uh, China's experimented with this technology. Other governments are experimenting with this, this technology. Places like Nigeria, where they have the fastest uh, population growth by by quantum over the next 50 years, um, and they're used. <clears throat> the, the mechanisms that they have baked into the technologies, underlying technologies, are very concerning because the government can say things like this look we noted that you bought uh these products and these products create a carbon footprint that's too high therefore if you have <laughs> met your carbon budget for the month and we're going to restrict your travel or we're going to restrict how much meat at the store you can buy i mean it becomes very orwellian in the sense that the government extends its long hand of regulatory authority over your wallet and I, right. this is one of the problems with CBDCs is you're you're turning over your transaction history to a government entity and saying, oh, here's everything that I do and here's everything that I buy and here's everything that I believe. And in fact, just and this is wild. Right. But Jim Jordan uh, just a couple of weeks ago subpoenaed uh, the federal government and various agencies because it turns out that they were tracking people who had made purchases of guns and bibles bibles oh, what? can believe that. what yes yes <laughs> and so you know because they they people in these these lifetime bureaucrats they think we're the enemy they want to know oh goodness well if you've bought a gun or if you've bought a bible or if you you've made these other kinds of transactions well we want to know right wow this is this is what becomes very easily done under cbdc's and it's why you even heard former president trump uh, here in the last month, month and a half, shortly after Iowa, mention it specifically and how he was opposed to the rollout of CBDCs in America. It's a dangerous thing. You will give them the opportunity. I mean, Bitcoin is, you know, they always said Bitcoin's untraceable. It's not untraceable. That's been proven. Uh, they can they can identify and unmask, uh, you know, and unmask people with multiple accounts. Uh, and eventually can track down who you are. Uh, you know, that's that's with Bitcoin, which is a total privatized thing. Now you want the government to create something? You don't think they'll be tracking every dollar you spend? I mean, come on. That makes no sense it whatsoever. It is amazing. You know, Bitcoin is an interesting asset, and it's really an asset class. <clears throat> but it's what's fascinating about Bitcoin specifically, and crypto is a big space. There's a lot of different features that all these different cryptocurrencies have. But Bitcoin specifically, um, it's it's called the hardest asset available, right? And what what does that mean? It means that there's no centralized authority that can hit the print button and create a whole bunch more than is scheduled. That is the that is almost the sole uh, value proposition for Bitcoin, is that it is a defense mechanism against fiat currency and central banks that have the ability and willingness to print ad nauseum that fiat currency. You know, 40% of all of the U.S. dollars of what's called M2 money, 40% of the U.S. dollars in circulation today were printed in just the last four years. Think about that. Think about how that's impacted inflation. When you have all this cash floating around the economy, of course, it's going to cost more to buy the same things. It's not like we, we can print beans. We can't print cars. We can't print those things. You can't digitally 
just materialize physical assets. So when you increase the amount of money chasing the same fixed number of goods, you're going to get inflation. That's what happens all over the world and it has always happened with fiat currency. And that's why it's interesting when you look at some of the developments in cryptocurrency, things like Bitcoin, right? Gold was the traditional way that, that people defended against the tendency of governments to debase their own currency. Right. Because it was something that we couldn't debase easily. You had to go to work and mine it and pull it out of the ground in order to actually do that. It was not as easy as putting an extra zero on a bill. Right. And, you know, we're falling into the same trap that every nation throughout history has fallen into, which is, hey, it turns out we can just print and there's no consequences. I guarantee you there will be consequences <laughs> and it's not going to be good. Oh, Jesus. I mean, it's like I mean, Zimbabwe. Weimar Germany. I mean, if you want to see consequences, there are consequences. The only reason we haven't felt it is because we're the world reserve currency. The minute that that music, the the minute the music stops on that and everybody's scrambling for a chair, you best have yours. That's all. That's I'm right. And, and the challenge is the challenge is we don't produce the things that we consume in this country. So if you lose the status of reserve currency, and the value of our currency diminishes relative to, relative to others, our standard of living will drop significantly because we don't produce those things. The computers that we're, that we're talking through right now, all this electronic equipment, it's not built in the United States. Those chips don't generally come from the United States. The cars that we drive, even if they're made by a domestic manufacturer, the parts are being made all over the world. So, because we don't produce the things that we consume, the American life is going to take a major hit if we don't defend the value of our currency. And we can't do that with this government that we've got in place right now. This is like a deeper conversation than just for the radio, Nick. I don't know. Maybe we should do a maybe we should do just like a standalone podcast on just the crypto because oh man, it's so much to it. Uh, it's yeah. it's uh, it's amazing. All right, well, Nick Baggage, uh, we appreciate you coming on board and uh, joining us today. Uh, two weeks from today, I guess we'll dive back into this and uh, looking forward to it. Get back to it. All right, my friend, thank you so much for coming on board. We will see you soon. All right, thank you, Michael. Uh, Nick Baggage, our guest. Uh, that does it for today, folks. The Michael Duke Show continues. We got more tomorrow for Tuesday and then I I don't even know don't even know have a good day enjoy yourself be kind love one another live well we'll see you then the Michael Duke show common sense liberty based free thinking radio bye y'all
We've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show.